Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Chapman, and if there's one thing I believe, it's that you're capable of making your dreams a reality and that the world needs you to be living out your purpose. One thing I love is to chat with people doing impactful work in hopes that we can all learn something from the conversation. Not to mention, we get to apply all of that wisdom to our own journey. Each week, you will hear just that here at the Radiant Podcast. So without further ado, let's get to it. Welcome back to the Radiant Podcast, and this week we have my friend Stephanie Mae Wilson joining us. Stephanie is an author, podcaster, speaker, and the go-to guide for 20 and 30-something women as they navigate their most important relationships. For almost a decade, Stephanie has mentored thousands of women as they cultivate healthy, thriving relationships with God, their friends, their significant others, their calling, and their work, and of course, with themselves. When she's not writing, speaking, or recording a podcast episode, Stephanie is usually packing for a global adventure with her husband, Carl, lapping with her close tribe of girlfriends, or snuggled up in yoga pants in her Nashville home. Guys, it is so clear from this episode that Stephanie and I crossed paths in more ways than one. We have such a similar story, and I became fast friends with this girl. I love her, and I know you will too, so let's dive in. Let's get to it. Of course, if you love this episode, please do me a favor, screenshot it, share it on your Instagram stories, tag Stephanie and myself, and we'd love to hear from you. I want to know what you loved about this episode, what you found encouraging, and lastly, it helps spread the word to your friends and your family who follow along with you. We want to get the Radiant Podcast into more hands in 2019, and I would love for you to help me do so by sharing about it. Let's get to it. Let's dive in, y'all. Hey, Stephanie. Hey, friend. How are you? So good. I am so excited to chat. In our brief conversation, even before this, I knew we are going to have so much to talk about. So I would love for you to start by sharing with our listeners who you are, what you do, how you got to where you are, what's your story. Oh my gosh. Well, okay. First of all, thank you for having me. I am so honored to be here. I just love all the work you're doing, Kelsey. And I like, I'm just so excited to get to connect today. Me too. So, um, my name is Stephanie Mae Wilson and I am an author, a speaker and a podcaster. And my specialty is helping 20 and 30 something women navigate their most important relationships. So that's the relationships with God, with themselves, with their um, significant others, with their friends and with their work and their calling. And I've been doing this work um, gosh, since 2010, which is crazy. Um, but I love it. It's, it's absolutely what I feel like I was created to do in the world. And the thing I noticed about this, when I started talking to women about their relationships was that not only are our relationships, like the sweetest, most important part of our lives. Like we know this to be true. If we, we know that we can reach all kinds of success, but if we don't have people to share it with, we still feel really empty. These, these relationships are the things that make our lives so fulfilling and so fun. But over the years and in my life, and I I feel like you guys have probably experienced this too. I've seen that when my relationships aren't in a good spot, like when we're not, when I'm not, when I don't feel safe and seen and known and loved, um, that's when I start to hide and I start to pretend and I start to put on masks and I start to strive and I, I really lose touch with who I was created to be. But when our relationships are in a good place, when we have people around us that really love us, that protect us, that cherish us, when we feel like we can show up in a room exactly as we are and that we'll be accepted, that's when I feel like we can really be the best versions of ourselves and make the difference in the world that we were created to make. And so I love getting to talk to women about their relationships. Um, I feel like my job is like a constant heart to heart um, with just the most amazing women. And, um, And I love getting to do that because I want everyone to have their best friend. I want everyone to be married to like their 
person. Um, I want everyone to have a really solid, beautiful, healthy, connected relationship with themselves and with God and um, with just all the people in their lives. But I also know that the world needs us as women to show up as us. We each have been gifted with with talents and 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 skills and passions for things and our world. I just cannot even imagine what our world would look like if every woman was like standing tall in herself and in her calling. And, but I want to find out. And so this is sort of like my little piece of getting to hopefully help make that happen in, in women's lives. I love that. Okay. So I would love for you to share, like, how did you get started? I know that, you know, you started with a blog, right? And that was two, three years ago. Well, okay. So I originally in school, when I, in college, I studied broadcast journalism and I was totally positive that that's exactly where I was headed in life. Um, I've always been really career, like really, really career driven focused. Um, and forever I was like, okay, I want to be like on CNN. I want to have a morning show on, you know, NBC, or I want to be on the today show. I want to be, I want to be either reporting fun news or reporting really serious news. And I could have really been talked into either. Um, but I really, journalism was my passion. I was passionate about storytelling. That was what drove me all the way through college. And, and even, I, you know, I, was, I had jobs and internships and all kinds of things. But then right around graduation, I had a major life shift that totally derailed my career plans. And that was that I actually became a Christian. And I, I, that was not how I was raised. That was not my background. Um, that's not ever what I saw happening for my life, but I just feel like God intersected my story in the most unbelievable way. And the thing that happened that was sort of a byproduct of this that I definitely didn't see coming was my heart for journalism totally disappeared. Like, overnight. And it, it was crazy because I, I had, um, I went on a, a mission trip. It was my very first mission trip. It was the first time I'd ever really gotten to, gotten to know people who were really different from me in a different country. Um, that it was the first time I'd really traveled, not, and not been at like a resort. It was the first time I really gotten to see real poverty and gotten to partner with people to alleviate even just a tiny bit of the struggles that they're experiencing on a daily basis. And when I got back, I started the internship that I, it was like the internship of all internships. And I had applied for it three times, been rejected two times, and then finally gotten it. And my first day was like two days after I got back from that trip. And it was amazing because Kelsey, I walked in the door and my passion, I noticed it. It was totally, it was gone, completely gone. I, I spent the rest of that semester at that internship and I was, you know, like just half there. I was half there. I knew that I needed to do something different. I knew that I, like my heart was beating for something different. And that actually, like, I don't know how often people talk about shifts in their life and, and talk about how hard it is, but when you've had a passion for a really long time and all of a sudden that passion changes or something in your life changes, even though it changes or even, even though that piece of your heart has gone away, it's still really hard. I feel like I had to mourn, mourn the loss of that for a really long time because that's where I saw my life going and all of a sudden it was different. I ended up instead, after I graduated, taking an unpaid internship at the church that I had just gotten involved with at the college ministry. And my parents were like, I mean, not not proud, but also just confused. <laughs> <laughs> like, you just paid for this degree. And then you took an unpaid internship. 
doing something completely different. But my job for that year was getting to invest in a group of amazing sorority women. Um, I was their small group leader and I had 27 of them. So it was not a small group at all. Um, but I had 27 sorority girls that I was in charge of. And I just was there to be a mentor and a friend and to get coffee with them and to walk them through breakups and, you know, struggles with their families and struggles with themselves and, you know, questions about God and all kinds of things. And I just fell in love with it. I loved getting to be that friend and mentor in women's lives. And I saw like God do amazing things in their life and amazing things in my life in the process. And I just knew it was what I wanted to do forever. I didn't think anything could pull me away from that until the one thing that could possibly pull me away from that did. And that was an opportunity to travel around the world for a year. I know, I know. It was, cool. it was just, like, don't pass up. Yeah. <laughs> And, and I thought I was so torn. Like, do I keep doing what I wanted to do? Or do I take this opportunity that like people don't get every day? And that's what I decided to do. I decided to, to go on this trip, knowing that I could come back and do some sort of like women's ministry or something like that when I got home. But part of this trip, you know, we traveled to 11 different countries um, and, and lived in each one for about a month. And part of the trip was that we were given a blog and asked to keep a record, like to, to talk about what we were experiencing as we were experiencing it. And even though I had done a bunch of online writing in my journalism career, I had never kept a personal blog. And I honestly didn't know anyone had a personal blog. I, I was totally unaware of, of the blogging as a thing. Um, but I started writing on this blog and telling the story of what I was going through as I was going through it and how I was learning and how I was growing. And the most amazing thing happened because those blog posts started to turn into basically what those coffee dates were with those women, where we got to just kind of sit down together and find out that we're not alone in what we're going through. And I was able to share even just like a shred of wisdom with people who might be a step and a half behind me. And I started getting messages from people saying like, Hey, I needed, I needed to hear this. Thank you for, for sharing this piece of your story. And I totally like it, it blew me away because it was this perfect combination of journalism and all my journalism skills were all of a sudden relevant again, but all of the skills and all the passion I have for helping women be the best versions of themselves and thrive in their relationships. And it sort of was married in this blog. And so I did that for, for years. I traveled when I came home, I kind of transitioned it into being my own thing, you know, apart from the trip. And that was in 2012 and I've been doing it ever since. And of course it's shifted and changed and become a whole business. And that's like a whole other thing. But, um, but really, yeah, I've been blogging and writing for 20 and 30 something women about relationships. Wow. So one thing I really liked, that is so crazy. And I feel like our stories are so, we are so intertwined. Did you do the world race? Yes. Okay. I did, um, harvest school, which is a mission school in Pemba, Mozambique with Iris ministries, but have a lot of friends do the world race. Yes. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. So, yes. Super cool. Um, actually the girl I started my first blog with had done the world race. I had just come back from harvest school and we started everything together, which was kind of the inception of my blog and then my business. So <laughs> we have such a similar story, but I would love for you to share. Okay. From the inception of your blog to it becoming a full-time income, how long was that? Because I do like to put that into perspective for our listeners of kind of playing the long game and not demanding your work to give you a salary right away. How did you kind of navigate that? Yeah, totally. I'm so glad you said that because um, I heard someone say one time, give it 10 years. 
10 years. Yeah. And I was like, 10 years, like give this 10 years until it feels like, I mean, no one ever feels like they've made it. I'm, I'm convinced, but just give it 10 years to become something. I don't know. And I, Comfortable. I don't know. Give what 10 years, but yeah. give it 10 years. And so I, I kind of held on to that. Um, so let's see, I started blogging period in 2011, started really my own blog in 2012. It didn't pay me a dollar until 2014. And that first year, I mean, it made me like maybe $500. Right. Um, And then, but by the the next year, let's see, a year later, um, it was making six figures, which is insane. Um, so all that to say it's been, I mean, I've been doing this for a really long time. I did a lot of investing in it for free for a really long time. Um, just building up relationships with people. Um, but once I, there were a couple of things where when I was able to sort of figure them out, I was able to stand on that foundation that I'd been building and, and really turn it into, turn it into something that paid the bills, which is amazing. Yeah, that's incredible. So I want to get there and how you turned it into a six-figure business. But I want to hear first, I know that you came back. I don't know where you met your husband in there, but I know by the time you had your first anniversary, y'all had lost four jobs between the two of you. Tell me about that because I lost a job right before I moved to Colorado. It was the most painful thing in my life, but it propelled me into my destiny, as cheesy as that sounds. And so I want to hear about how that affected you and how y'all overcame that and how y'all used that to propel you forward instead of, instead of sink you. It obvious, it's obvious that it led to your success, not to your demise, but how the heck did you navigate that? Because I navigated it with a lot of tears. Oh, me too, girl. Me too. Like buckets of them. So my husband, Carl and I met, he actually did the world race as well. We ended up working for the organization that puts on the world race. Um, and that's how we met. He was sort of my boss, not like technically, but kind of. So it was like, 10% scandalous, um, 10% more fun. Um, but so we, we met, we were working together, which was really awesome. Um, and we did that for almost two years, um, or maybe a year and a half. We got engaged and three months after we got engaged, which was also three months before our wedding, we were engaged for about six months. Um, so halfway through that time, we both got called into the office, um, on a random Thursday morning and laid off from our jobs. And it actually wasn't just us. It was like a quarter of the organization. All of our friends lost their jobs all on the same day. It, we like affectionately call it the reaping um, <laughs> from hunger games. Like I mean, truly like all of us, all of us lost our jobs. We were, Carl and I were both in the marketing department and there were like two people left two out of 14 or something like that. Um, and so it was a devastating day. We were so confused. We were so taken back, so caught off guard. Um, Carl and I had had a conversation maybe two weeks before where we were like, you know, where do we see ourselves going? We're getting married. What do we want to do? And we both knew, you know, I'd been blogging for a while at this point. I was blogging on the side, you know, while I worked full time. Um, and Carl was doing some freelance design work and things like that. I mean, his job there, he was the creative director um, of the organization really translated into what he does now. But um, we were both, we both had our eyes set on doing our own thing at some point, but we had decided two weeks before we're going to stick it out here for at least another year because we want things to just change one at a time. We're getting married. We want to do that with people who know us and we don't want to change everything all at once. And then we lost our jobs. And the thing that happened was that they um, had just overhired um, and needed to kind of get their finances right. They needed to really cut a lot of their staff. And unfortunately that included us. And so all of a sudden we have no jobs and we have these sort of like side 
like tiny side hustles. Um, mine, I think, I mean, I probably had, I don't even know. I mean, I had barely started, I was barely using Instagram. Like I had maybe a thousand followers total, 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 um, at this point, maybe. And so we both had these kind of side hustles and we had a wedding to plan and the wedding was going to be in Georgia because we thought we were going to be living there. We had all of a sudden where I distinctly remember this evening, Carl has like, um, lists of cities that we could possibly move to. Some of them weren't even in the U S like we were all over the map. We had resumes and cover letters for jobs all over the world, um, laid out. We had our wedding invitations that we were addressing and, um, like our guest list printed out or something. And this was all spread over my apartment. We were planning our whole lives, trying to figure out our whole lives all at once. So yes, a million tears. We ended up moving to Nashville with a half a job between us. Um, I was offered a job as um, a writing assistant for an author here. And so I decided to take that job and, um, and I was doing my thing on the side. Carl ended up, it's kind of a, a whole thing. But anyway, we both started working um, together with a couple. It was sort of a startup situation. And we did that for about six months. I was doing that part-time and working on my stuff the other part-time. Well, so right before our first anniversary, we came into the office and things had fallen apart and we didn't have jobs anymore. Um, it was like totally surreal. We had to both pack up, you know, those scenes in movies where you see people packing up like a file box, yes. everything they're de- in their desk. Carl and I have done that together twice. And it was, I mean, it was so surreal. It was crazy. And so really what happened in the wake of that was we both realized we either had to go find some other steady job. But the thing was the idea of a steady job had changed, like changed so much throughout this because we but we thought that both of these jobs were steady and they were supposed to be like one of them had health insurance right <laughs> i mean they should have been steady jobs and so we realized that the things we thought were steady actually weren't that steady and we had nothing to lose we had $11 in our bank account um and we were like okay we either go get jobs that we feel like we're not supposed to be doing like just jobs that don't resonate or connect with us at all that aren't our gifts or we just give this a try And I had seen two women at this point. I, you know, I had connected with other bloggers. I knew there were other bloggers out there, but I connect, I saw a couple women who were taking their knowledge on topics. Some of them were business. Some of them were like other things and teaching it to women in the form of like products, informational products or online courses or things like that. And I had really built up not a huge following, but just like a really connected one. I have really amazing readers and listeners who feel way more like friends and sisters than followers. Um, but they had, you know, throughout this time that I've been blogging, they had been emailing me back and forth and asking me questions about their lives and asking for advice on different things. And so I knew what they were going through. I'd been having these conversations with these women for a long time now. And so I saw these different women who are professional, you know, entrepreneurs gathering their wisdom on things and turning them into something that someone could learn from. And I thought, I want to give that a try. And so I remember having a conversation with Carl where he's like, Steph, I think I can hold this over for like two more months, but then I really need you to draw a salary. Um, and I mean, I, that first year I made like $500, but I knew like, I just, I was just betting on myself. And so I worked my tail off um, to try to put together some products and actually managed to do it. And I mean, it wasn't, it definitely wasn't overnight, but I managed to put together a couple different online courses, a couple different books, start an online store. And I mean, really within a year, 
I was making six figures, which was insane because truly the year we got married, I think I made all told like maybe, maybe $10,000 total. Wow. All right, guys, you know, if I'm timing out the podcast right in the middle of some really juicy conversation, it has to be for a great reason. Well, it is. The FabFitFun seasonal subscription box is available right now, and it's something I look forward to seeing on my doorstep every few months. So I asked them for a coupon code so my tribe here at the Radiant Podcast could enjoy it too. I'm that into it. These boxes sell out fast. So you have to really jump on it, but I'm telling you, it's because they're so good. They're packed full of products from beauty, wellness, to fashion and fitness. You'll find everything from Tarte Beauty products, items from anthropology, free people, which if you've been with me for a while, you know I love, Juice Beauty, Trina Turk, Bear Paw Chi, Kate Somerville, and that's only a few of the brands. There's a huge variety. One of my favorite items I've seen was the Moroccan Gold Series Treatment Mask. Talk about feeling like a queen, but whenever they send, it's always trending brands, high quality, full size, y'all, full size, products that really get you ready for the season ahead. The box retails for $49.99, but always, and I mean always, has a value of over $200 inside. You know me, as an Enneagram 7, the word fun speaks my language, y'all, and these boxes are just that, fun. Every time I open one, it feels like my own personal boutique in a box. But what I love about these boxes is there really is something inside for everyone, no matter what products or brands you love. Best part, they're customizable to the types of items you'd prefer to receive. And they always end up having so much inside that I give some of the products I love to friends. I know my friends would love them, and I like to have a gift that keeps on giving, right? Check out fabfitfun.com and use the code radiant10 so you can save $10 off your first box, making it only $39.99. You guys, I would never promote something I don't love and believe in, and this really is such a seal. I mean, you never hear ads on this podcast, right? So if I'm talking about it, I really, really love it. I just had to get this code for you guys, and that code radiant10 will work forever. So no matter when you're hearing this episode go live, you can snag that radiant10 code and go over to fabfitfun.com and use it for $10 off your first box. So let's get after it. Go treat yourself. You deserve some fun and glam in your life. So how the heck did you launch these things into the world? Did you do it organically and take that money and put it into ads? Or has this all been organic? Like how? I I know you have to be pretty scrappy to go from 10,000 to six figures in a year. I mean, you just said you put together some books, some courses. I mean, those are time intensive things. And so tell me more. Well, so I mean, I knew, I feel like that the key that I've learned, like looking back, the thing I'm like, okay, that I did well, not everything. I haven't done everything. Well, I have definitely have not done everything well. Um, but when I look back, I'm like, that was one thing that I feel like I really nailed in some instances. And that was that I really knew who my audience was and I really knew how, what they needed and how I could help them. And so um, the very first thing I did was, well, okay, at this point, I had released a book, um, my very first book, The Lipstick Gospel, which we originally released as an ebook. It's it's a long ebook, but it's kind of a short print book. And we had released it um, maybe two months before we lost the second set of jobs. And so I had started building my email list. Um, but because we released it right before Christmas, we immediately had people reaching out saying, hey, like, do you have print versions of this book? We'd really like to give it as a gift. 
And so Carl, thank God he's a graphic designer because he was able to throw together like almost overnight, a print version of this book. We ordered them, got them just in time, like threw them in envelopes and got them to people before Christmas, like by the grace of God. And I think we, I think, you know, we made like a couple hundred bucks um, from that. And so I had that product. That was the only product I had. But when we lost that second round of jobs and I'm looking at these other entrepreneurs that are, you know, creating informational products, I was like, okay, what are my people needing and what can I offer them help with? And I realized that the thing that I get asked about the most still and then um, was about being single and dating and getting ready for marriage. Because especially in, I mean, this is true, I think for just all of us, you know, we're all watching our friends get into relationships, get married, and we're looking around going, when is this going to happen for me? And we have a degree of control over when it happens, but not 100% control. And we're not sure like how much to participate and how much to wait patiently and how there are so there's so much nuance and a lot of shame and a lot of fear and a lot of self-doubt and all kinds of things, a million different ways of doing things that people will teach you. And I was having lots of conversations with the women who are following me about how to live their single lives well and how if they can really make the most of this season, that will be the thing that sets them up the best for a great dating life and for future marriage. And so, you know, that's what I've been talking to women about the most. And so I threw together an online course. And because I'd heard, um, I heard a woman talk about the idea of a minimum viable product. And still that's like one of my favorite concepts, just make it as small as possible, put it together as quickly as possible so that you can see how it does. So you're not sinking six months and a million dollars into a product only to find out nobody wants it. So that's what I did. I created, um, an outline and I had four different topics. I was going to, or four different like sections of this make the most of your single life course that I was going to teach. And I put together a PDF on a word document and I created a Facebook group and I was going to teach these every Tuesday on Facebook live for a month. And I opened up this really basic sales page and I had like 37 girls sign up and it was $50 per person. And that was like the first real money my, my business ever made. And it was amazing. And I was able to see what resonated, see what didn't. I was able to get some testimonials. And that was really the beginning of, of having some informational products. And so I really sat down and was like, okay, what am I capable of teaching on? What are my sort of things? What paths have I walked in life that I can turn around and teach other women about? And it really was those main relationships I said at the beginning. It's our relationship with God. Like I've walked that road and, and I can walk with, with women for a portion of their journeys. Um, same with the single and dating and marriage thing. I can definitely walk with women for a portion of their journeys there too. Making friends in a whole new city. When we moved to Nashville, I didn't know a single person and I had to figure out how to make friends as an adult, which turns out is really hard. (laughs) Yeah. That was one of the things I could talk about. And then being a really good friend to yourself, having a really good, healthy relationship with yourself instead of being your own worst critic. Um, those are the things I knew I could teach on. And so I really just got to work. Like, what, what are women telling me they need and how can I solve that problem for them? How can I package something together so that they can learn and move forward in their journey this way? And so, yeah, I had, um, the first thing was that was my single life course, which I've, you know, gone through and made better and fixed and stuff. And now, I mean, we've launched it probably seven times now. It's been amazing. Um, it, you know, I have a a small group guide helping women cultivate closer, like deeper friendships. Um, it's, you know, I have a devotional and a prayer journal now, but really every single product has been born from women telling me, Hey, like I'm really struggling with this area. And I hear it over and over and over again. And then I'm like, okay, I need to do something about this. What's the best way 
of delivering the information I know about this. Um, it's just kind of grown from there. I love that. And I tell people all the time, like using Instagram as a data collection tool can be so helpful. I mean, you can use the question sticker and ask people what they'd want to hear more from you about. You could use the question sticker or the polls and ask people, would you rather me teach on this or that? Would you rather me release this product or that product into the world? Do you like this color of a shirt over that color? And it's it's really a great way to kind of do some market research with the audience you already have and release a product that serves them into the world. So it's, it's cool to hear, you know, how, like you said, I'm a big fan of A, running really lean um, in your business, but B, you know, not putting a million dollars or, you know, a year's worth of time launching something into the world until you know that's, you know, the right next fit, but instead like release it and tweak and refine and perfect it along the way. Yes. Well, and the, the crazy thing is, cause you know, I said I did some things well and some things not so well. You would think that the next, because that was a, like that single life course did well, like immediately right off the bat, I had a great response. It went well. So the, the next right thing to do would be to tweak it, make it better and release it again. Right. That's not what I did. I instead took what I learned sort of and created a totally different course that was enormous, super long, super time intensive, took me months to write and months to record. And it was really expensive and I released it and it's, it sold pretty well. Um, it didn't help women the way that I was hoping it was going to. It really like, I can talk about it now because it's been a while, but it felt like just this total black, like stain on my on my business because I felt like I had sold something to people that didn't help them the way I was hoping it would. And I think what I learned from that was, okay, the way I did things the first time was way better. Like I should have tested that product before. I mean, I created that second course to answer a problem no one had told me they had. And then I released it like huge. I made it enormous before I released it. Instead of testing it first, we can maneuver so much more easily when we're driving like a smart car than we can in like a, you know, 30 passenger bus. And I created a 30 passenger bus when really I should have tried a smart car first. Wow. And that's just such a good reminder that, that elaborate is not always better. That sometimes simple is better. Wow. To stop myself all the time. Like I'm working on some new courses now and I catch myself being like, okay, the bonus video for this will be this. And then there'll be an extra thing about this an extra thing about this. And I'm like, whoa, have you not learned? Like, I know. Do a, a live training on it first. Like test it first. Uh, girl, uh, I get it. I totally get it. What is our deal? <laughs> I know. I think sometimes we want to overcomplicate it. And, and I think sometimes for me, I personally am just like, I want to give more value and more value and more value. But then it's like drenching someone with a fire hose and they feel so overwhelmed that they can't even get started. So again, sometimes simpler is more empowering. Exactly. Like that course I created was, it was great content and it did, um, like I still stand by the content, but that's exactly what I did. I fire hosed them and it was like, we went too deep and then too high. And then I asked them to put too much time into it. And so basically they just got stuck halfway through. And so it was never impactful because they never finished it. And it's because I gave them too much 
it was just it the whole thing was just too much too deep and and I would have known that if I would have tried it totally well man I could talk to you all day long on that topic so what would your advice be for someone who's starting out they're they're launching a book an album um, a service anything anything into the world and they just don't know where to start they feel like they don't have enough followers. They feel like they don't have an ad spend or a marketing strategy. Like where the heck does someone who's just getting started begin? Oh my gosh. Okay. I'm really glad you said the thing about followers because truly I don't, I think that we wait way too long to create products. I think we, we have this idea that we need to have however many followers before we can sell something. And I think that that's just not true because there are women in the world that you follow that we follow that have a bazillion followers who are not making a dime because they don't have anything to sell. Whereas, you know, I mean, I had 3000 followers. I think I'm, yeah, I'm pretty sure I need to go double check this. I think I had 3000 followers when I hit six figures, 3000, like that's not, that's not a million. And it's just because I gathered a group of women who I was serving and loving, like, man, I love my girls. I call them girls, but they're totally full-fledged women. I just, <laughs> I've always called them my girls. Um, I, I like, I love those women and, um, I made it my mission to just serve them. And then I knew what they were asking for. I knew what they were struggling with. And then I created something to solve that problem and it worked for them and they were willing to pay for it. And so I think that we I think we need to have, you know, a hundred thousand dollars before we can make a dime on it, but that's not true. If you have a hundred followers, love them like crazy, find out what they're struggling with and then create something, maybe first a freebie so that you can do it small and then a small product to solve whatever problem they're asking you about. Pull your friends or think through, you know, what do they ask for your advice about? I have a friend who um, is an amazing meal planner and she has this ability to feed her family. One, she can cook and I am not the best cook, um, but she can cook and she has an ability to plan meals that are affordable healthy and where she doesn't waste food at the end of the week. Like she uses the whole thing of whatever she bought. It's, Ooh, I need her stuff. Right. Okay. So here's the thing we're telling her, we're like, Heather, this is an amazing gift that you have. And she goes, no, it's not. Everyone can do this. And that's the thing I heard. Um, there's a, an awesome marketing teacher named Jeff Goins. And he says that, um, your thing is whatever is easy for you, but remarkable to somebody else. And that's the thing with Heather. I'm like, Heather, not everybody knows how to do that. So if you can teach us, that would be great. But like paying attention to what your friends and your family ask you for help about, um, paying attention to what your followers are resonating with. Yeah. Using Instagram as a place to take some polls or to ask some questions or to communicate with your people. Because then once you find out something that they're struggling with, a pain point that they like they have a question and you have the answer, you can then use that for your first product. And it can be a freebie or it can be a you know, $5 ebook. But when you have, if you have a, a hundred followers and two people buy that $5 ebook, well, that's $10 you did not have before. That's coffee money. And then as your following grows, more people hear about this product, more people start to buy it. And you don't have to wait until you have a hundred thousand followers to start making money from it. So yeah, I would say start by like asking your people what they need and paying attention and then start with really small, really easy, easy, really quick products to test some things out, to see if this thing might resonate with people. And, you know, not every idea is a good one that you're going to try. Most of them are going to flop. They do for me, but one of them sticks. 
or two of them stick and they do really well and they make a big difference in people's lives, which makes a big difference in your income. And, but you don't, you're, you're not going to know what works until you try a bunch of things and find out what doesn't. agree. And it it does feel vulnerable and it does require risk. How how has your relationship with risk and vulnerability changed over the last few years? You know, probably, I, I know for me, at least that, you know, what felt like the biggest risk ever when I first was getting started, it's kind of like I had enough grace for that moment, enough faith for that one little step. And then it kind of got me to the next space. And I was kind of required to lean into a little more faith that time. Uh, I was kind of, it was kind of the next tier. I graduated to needing to lean into kind of the next level of faith for what was ahead of me. And it, it, I don't think it gets easier in the sense that, you know, moving forward isn't always scary when you're an entrepreneur, um, when you're releasing, when you're an artist, when you're releasing anything that is your work into the world. But I, I have learned to have peace and thrive amidst the risk over time. How has your relationship with that evolved and changed? Oh my gosh. Well, I think um, the thing that I needed for years that I didn't have that I feel like I've finally gotten in the last couple of years is I needed to know that everyone else was scared too. Because I felt so much fear. I felt so naked. Like, when you launch something that very next day, like you are hungover, like you feel terrible and scared and like you want to hide and take everything back and burn it all down. And this is an example. So we released a whole new line of merch in my shop for Black Friday um, just a couple weeks ago. And we, I was so excited about the merch and I still am, but when we released it, all of a sudden I like couldn't even bring myself to look at the t-shirts or sweatshirts. We but I had to like hide them away. I had to not think about them because I felt so naked about them and so unsure if anyone was going to like them or if they were the dumbest idea I've ever had. And only now it's like been a couple of weeks. Now I can start actually wearing the shirts and enjoying them, but I had to like take a break from them because all of a sudden I just, I was so nervous about what people were going to think. And I think that's always been true for me about like my own books. Like I hate my books. The second they come out, it takes like a good six months to be like, Hey, that's pretty good. I do like that. Like I see what I was going for. I think we just get so close to the product and so nervous about the reaction that, um, we just, at least for me, I just feel kind of sick about it. And I didn't know that that was normal. And I think that that's the scariest thing when we feel a lot of fear about something. I think we generally think that's a sign we shouldn't do it. Like that's a sign to turn back or to take a left or whatever. That's a sign from God that this isn't what he has for us, whatever your thing is. But I don't think that that's true because every good thing I've ever done in the world, like traveling around the world for a year, like abandoning my whole career plan, like moving to Nashville, like starting my own business at the same time, my husband starts his own business. Every single good thing I've ever done has, I've been terrified, absolutely terrified. And it's just, it's taken me like putting one foot in front of the other and just crying my way through it until it's out in the world to get it out there. But I'm so glad every time that I had that courage. And I think, you know, I mean, there are a million quotes about how courage isn't a lack of fear, but it's like feeling fear and doing it anyway. That has a hundred percent been my story. And so, um, I think if you are feeling vulnerable, if you are feeling total doubt about whether the thing you just created that you were once passionate about is now garbage, um, you're not alone. And, but it's, but it's worth, it's worth doing it anyway. And I really do think I've had 
a big revelation in the last even couple months that's made things a lot easier because I do think that we get really attached to our own ideas and we kind of, it's really hard for someone to reject our book and have it not feel like they're rejecting us. Like, right? But the thing is, I heard um, Christy Wright, who's actually this really amazing business teacher, I heard her talk about how business is an experiment. It is a constant experiment. You're experimenting with your, um, your customers and you're throwing something out there and the market will tell you if it's a good idea or if it's a bad idea. Like nine out of 10 of them are bad ideas. Maybe one will be a great idea, but you just don't know until you try, until you are willing to experiment. And so that's been something I've been repeating to myself a lot lately is like, try a bunch of things, like create some beta versions of everything, see how it goes, but know that for everybody, most ideas don't go well. You have to get through a bunch of them before you find the one that's going to, but it really is an experiment. And I think that looking at it as an experiment has made it feel so much less personal to me. And that's been really, really good for my poor little tender heart. <laughs> I I love that. I That was so true for me as well. And I laugh at myself because I, in those seasons where I'm really scared, I'm like clinging to those cheesy quotes like nobody's business. I'm like, feel the fear and do it anyways, Kelsey. And so I remember seeing a quote in maybe one of the scaredest seasons I was ever in last December, like a year and a half ago. Um, oh, a year ago. Um, and realizing like, oh my gosh, like this, I needed this in this moment to remind me that you, this, the fear doesn't always go away. And I think the normalization of it is really helpful because we look at people on Instagram or on that Facebook ad that promises us to make a million dollars overnight or whatever. And we think they've got it all together. It must be easy. There's going to be a place where you arrive in life and you don't feel fear anymore and everything's effortless. And that's just not the case. And so, um, it certainly gets better the longer you do it, but it, you know, often you're kind of asked to step into something that requires more skin in the game, the longer you're in it. And so, uh, as Joyce Meyer says, new levels, uh, new levels, new doubles. Yes, Lord. That's true in my life, at least. Right? It's like, like it, oh my gosh. It's, but I mean, if we think about it with anybody else, I think like, I, I completely agree with you about the Instagram thing. You look at other women and you go, oh, they're just like, just nailing it all the time. Every idea that they ever have, like goes well and sells like hotcakes. And then also they're not scared. And I think that like in the past couple of years, I've just started assuming that everybody is scared because everyone I talk to is yeah. And like, just because someone posts something on Instagram and is really excited about it does not mean anyone bought it. Totally. They, usually like we're all kind of in this together. Like they probably didn't sell very many of those. Some things they sold out of some things will be sitting on the shelves for a really long time. Like if they have, you know, a TV spot on Good Morning America, they might have felt like they were going to throw up before they walked in there. Like, or, I mean, every single woman you see botches a quarter of the interviews or at least one out of 10 interview that they do has a product that doesn't work, is scared out of their minds, like stayed up all night and it didn't turn out the way that they were hoping it would. It just, I think when we can assume that people aren't different from us, but that they're, they're the same as us, it, the normalization, you're totally right. It just, we're all, we all feel this way. We all mess up. We all are uncertain. We all have products that flop. And and I think the difference between the people who succeed and the people who don't is the people who succeed just try it again. Yeah, 100%. Man, I could talk to you 
all day long about that. How have you really navigated this business journey? Have you made a lot of friends? Have you really invested in a lot of education? I know for me, I'm constantly investing in myself, I think. It's important for people to realize, you know, we can say like, oh, we had a six-figure year, but we probably invested a pretty penny of that right back into our business. And when um, entrepreneurs say, you know, how well they're doing, a lot of the times the ones who are doing it the best are, you know, not pocketing all of that. They're really investing it to play the long game. I know that's certainly been my story. So I'd love to hear, you know, what you found valuable. Are you, you know, do you have a lot of friends in business? Do you invest in education or online programs or mentors? Tell us what your kind of secret sauce has been. Yeah, man, my theme for this year has been ask for help. And they're just, I knew that I wanted to grow as a person. I knew I wanted to grow in my business. Um, And I knew that like, there is a limit to what we can do by ourselves. There just is. We have to bring in people who are better than us at things. Um, I think, you know, the very first that, that I made about $2,000 with that beta version of my single life course. And that amount was perfect because um, that's how much it costs to take Marie Forleo's B-School. And that was the very first program I had ever um, invested in. And I loved it. I, I've taken Instagram courses. I've taken, gosh, I'm trying to think, marketing courses. I've taken Facebook ads courses. Um, I definitely have taken a handful of courses. And I found them to be really helpful. The thing is, you have to do them. <laughs> if, it's, like, it's like getting a gym membership. If you just buy the gym membership and don't go, nothing changes. But really, I mean, I threw myself, especially right at the very beginning when I was like, I think I can do this. I want to give it a try. I invested in a couple of different business programs, online courses that were just really, really helpful. Another thing that has been huge for me, which this always is, this is definitely a step out of my comfort zone. If anyone else like gets squeamish about small talk, you're not alone. Um, but going to conferences has been really big. I can, I can point to the people the business friends that have made the biggest difference in my life, I met probably 98% of them at a conference because there's something that's just so powerful about being around like-minded people. It just is, and, and being there in person is is such a big deal. So I really do, I've, I've managed to make some really awesome business friends throughout the last couple of years, just women who are also chasing big dreams. And, and it's, It's cool because I think we have two options when it comes to business friends. We can either decide that they're our competition or decide that we are just going to be in it together. Um, We can be their cheerleader or their competition. And the more, and sometimes it's harder than others, definitely get bitten by the comparison bug sometimes, but the more I've decided to just be a major cheerleader of women and the more I've decided to, to say to myself and to everyone who wants to hear that there's enough room for all of us. That's when we can help each other. And really, no two people are exactly alike. So if she succeeds, you can also succeed. Like, I have a podcast. There are women who have really similar podcasts to mine. And most people who listen to podcasts listen to more than one. Most people who read books read more than one. And so um, that's been a really big thing and a really – I'm glad that I've intentionally done that, decided that my business friends are not my competition. They're my friends. And – And I'll do anything I can to help them. And they've done so much to help me. And that's been a really big thing. And then the other thing is like really investing in some coaching. I invested earlier this year in um, a a speaking coach. And she just 
was a game changer for me. It was so good to have someone. She, it was funny because we did talk about speaking, but we also talked about all parts of my business. And I learned like an entirely new way of seeing my business from her. Wow. Uh, her name's Jessica Rasdall, if anyone wants to. Oh, I'm like, ooh, I might get her name from you she's, sometime. Uh, she's amazing. And really it was having someone else's eyes on my business to say, why are you doing this? Or why are you doing it this way? Like she saw so many redundancies in my business. I would write the same email a hundred times and never save it as a canned response. And she just, she really looked at me and, and saw like poked some holes in the things I was doing in the perfect way. Sometimes we just cannot see, we just need someone like outside to speak into us. And so I think like conferences, um, courses, and then if you can get some one-on-one mentorship and you probably have to pay for it, but that's better because you don't feel like you're taking advantage of someone. They don't feel taken advantage of someone knows something and is really good at something and you can compensate them for that. Getting, getting someone who can, who can stand on the outside and teach you some things you didn't know before. It's just, those things have made a really, really big difference for me. I could not agree more. And I, I too, like I really love working one-on-one with people. I love live events. I went into 2018 and was kind of like, I'm committed to showing up for a few live events this year. And those are the things that really move the needle for my business. I think people get to know you in person differently than they do um, online and, and vice versa. You get to know people, maybe the very people you are comparing yourself to in person. And I, I often find that when you get to know someone in person, you're able to humanize them a little bit differently and you're able to see the struggles they're going through, not to rejoice in them, but to actually have compassion for them. And so um, I think that's, you know, not that you want to like get in close and see all their flaws, but you realize, oh, wow, it's hard for them too. Everything that looks easy to me also has a flip side for them. And so um, I think I, I really love just being with people in person. It's been really transformative for my business. Oh my gosh, Stephanie, I love chatting. Where can everyone find you? Because I feel like our listeners are going to love you as well. I know they're definitely, if they're not already subscribed to your podcast, going to want to be listening. Tell us where everyone can keep up. Oh my gosh, you're sweet. I I have loved this conversation. I love getting to talk about this. I like, gosh, I've learned so much along the way, mostly from doing things wrong. And I, I'm so, I'm, I just, every single one of us has something in us where um, we can make the world better. And I, I just want every single one of us to get to stand tall in who we are and who we were created to be and do the thing we were created to do. So you guys can do this. Um, okay. So you can find me at stephaniemaywilson.com. That's my website. Um, on Instagram, I'm at smaywilson and all those, if you go to either of those places, all my links for everything are there. Um, but my podcast is called girls night and it is like my favorite thing that I get to do. Podcasting is so much fun. I had no idea. And I'm, I'm just thrilled. It's like my favorite thing these days. Woo. I am so glad. I know people are going to be listening and wanting to keep up with you. I love podcast. I love adding a new one to my rotation. So I know our listeners are going to be excited too. And then I love books. So I'm definitely going to be snagging a copy of the lipstick gospel off your website. Oh, thanks, friends. I hope that you will join me again here on the Radiant Podcast, and I'm so glad that we get to be friends. I know. Me too. Thank you so much for having me. Truly, I'm such a fan of you, Kelsey, and um, it's just 
an honor to get to chat with you. Hey, don't go yet. I would love it if you go over to iTunes right now and leave a review. I love hearing your feedback and it really makes a difference in getting the Radiant Podcast name out there. And while you're at it, why don't you subscribe and then share this episode on Facebook or Instagram or wherever your social media platform is of choice. Lastly, I'd love to keep up with each other. Come find me on Instagram at Kels Chapman and let's get to know each other. As a pro, the last thing you need is to run out of what you need. And time spent waiting on supply runs is money right out of your pocket. The good news is the Home Depot can deliver straight to the job site. That keeps your crews on the job, not the road. And that saves you money, putting time back in your day and savings back where they belong. Delivery options, big, small, right to the job site. Whenever you say, visit homedepot.com slash delivery. The Home Depot, how doers get more done. Money. Sometimes it's hard to make it all add up. With a Microsoft 365 subscription, Money in Excel helps you keep track of all your accounts in one place with added alerts and personalized budgets. Buy now at Microsoft365.com slash money.